Hey everyone, good morning. I needed to watch that one more time because uh, this is our last week. It's our last week through the book of Revelation. And so, yeah, I just needed to, because I, I really liked that one. The, we always have those bumpers before the sermons. I really enjoyed that one. Um, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles or load up in your apps. We're in the last week of the series on Revelation, so we must be near the end of the book. And that's true. We're in Revelation 22. It's the last chapter of the book of Revelation. It's actually the last chapter of the Bible, of course, is what it... Man, that's what we're reflecting on this morning, the the way Scripture ends. And so Jesus, come and speak to us this morning. Come and speak through your scripture, and through uh, your spirit, by the power of it. We, um, we need gospel. We need good news. And that's not something that I can give. It's not something any of us can conjure up here as volunteers or leadership. We need, uh, we need the voice who spoke creation into existence to speak resurrection into us. And so come and grant it this morning here in the room for all my brothers and sisters who are watching um, at home or traveling. Come and speak right now because your servants are listening. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen and amen. Can we, uh, can we start with a moment of honesty? I know we're in church and we're not supposed to. But can we have a moment of honesty right now in the room? Um, I want to ask three questions, and I really want... Uh, it'd be better if there were more people in the room, because... But we look around and see who else is in the room. We're, this isn't a show. This is like us gathered as the church. Okay, okay, we're all comfortable. We're all among brothers and sisters, so we can actually respond, right? Right? Okay, okay, okay. First question, by show of hands. Who has ever heard that heaven... Heaven will be like a never-ending church service. Who has heard this before? I have, right? That you'll be singing forever, right? No. Yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. Who in the room, upon quietly hear, upon hearing that, you quietly thought to yourself, and more people have heard that than, um, than raised their hands, I'm sure. Who has thought to yourself quietly, secretly, you would never speak it out loud for, for fear of what people would think about you, have thought... Well, that just sounds horrible. <laughs> I know, me too, <laughs> me too. Okay, and so third question. Uh, do you know it where in the Bible um, heaven gets described that way? Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. But it was a good guess. But yeah, that's exactly what I want to upend. I want to upend our expectations and what we understand um, human destiny to be uh, this morning. I want to push back because the correct answer is nowhere. Heaven gets described. Human destiny gets described nowhere like this. Revelation 4 and 5, where the singing around the throne and circle upon circle upon, that is present reality that we've already covered in this series. That is behind the curtain. Human destiny, what we're pressing into in Revelation 22, is going somewhere different. Going somewhere different. God has plans for the human race that go far beyond a never-ending worship service. And all God's people said, hallelujah, amen. (laughs) 
So let's go ahead and read just a little bit. We're not going to read the whole chapter today, but the first few verses of it are going to give us a good framework. Revelation 22, it'll also be up here on the screen, uh, starting in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of life, a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, running from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So it's like this thoroughfare that's got water running down it somehow. It's, um, and on each side of the river stood the tree of life. It's, it's actually, the tree is singular right there in the Greek. And so it's just one massive tree of life, well, like root ball system that's like coming up on both sides and it's uh, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the trees, of the tree, excuse me, are for the healing of the nation. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. These are the closing images of the book of Revelation, and it's this grand vision of new creation that we started last week, a Joe, Pastor Joe talked about in chapter 21. These are the, this is the way the vision ends. It ends with the picture of the, the river and the tree and the fruit and the leaves, and it's closing down, and then it says, and they will reign forever and ever. We could just make this observation. The Bible ends with a beginning. That's the, that's the way the Bible ends. It's with a, the Bible doesn't end with the earth being destroyed and, have, and people going to heaven. That's despite uh, the last few decades of evangelical subculture and what we've, a lot of us have heard. The Bible ends with evil and death being destroyed and heaven coming to earth. That's the picture, that, that's the biblical picture. It's not a picture of God saying, of like getting rid of creation, you know, like wadding up time and space and molecules and matter and animals and food and, you know, every, every bit of like existence that we know and whatever and saying, you know what, I'm just going to burn that in a trash can somewhere and we're just going to do something. It's a picture of God finally restoring finally making everything, including us, what we were meant to be. And then the, the, the punctuated end of this vision of new creation is verse five right here. They will reign forever and ever. It's just like open-ended. <laughs> Doing what? <laughs> like, what will we be doing? What's, what's that gonna be like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't exactly know what it, but it, it's not, uh, here, here decidedly what it's not, it's not a picture of singing forever. It is a picture of reigning forever. This is uh, actually the Bible putting a bookend on what we were made for. The, it, it, this has been mentioned somewhere else, um, actually in a really interesting spot. It was mentioned in Genesis 1, 
is where this is mentioned. Genesis 1, verse 26, God saying why he created humanity in the first place. Then God said, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may what? rule, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea, the swimmers and the flyers and over the crawlers, the livestock and the wild animals and all the the creatures that uh, scurry along the ground. And so God created humankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule. Rule, that's why I made you for this project, this grand existence. I want to share the joy, the adventure of being here, of being alive, of, 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 of not being nothing, of being something. In the beginning, God said, I want to create children. I want to create heirs. I want partners in this grand project of creation with whom I can share the adventure of existence, of life, the project of ordering chaos and bringing it and taking it somewhere. I want them to rule. I want them to reign. And so God made us. Uh, Let's just put it, really baldly here, uh, you were made to reign with God. That is the bookends of the Bible. Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, you were made for more than just singing. You were made for reigning with God. But we, as a, of course, the tragedy, the narrative of the Bible is that we as a species, however this looked in history, we walked away from from God's project, from God's purposes. We didn't want to be partners. We actually wanted to run the show. (laughs) We wanted to be gods ourselves. We want to write the story. We don't want to be co-writers with him. And in the process, we brought ruin and heartache and corruption onto ourselves and into the rest of creation. And the the entire biblical story, the 1185 chapters between (laughs) Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22 is the story of God rescuing the world while also, he's rescuing the world while also at the same time taking human partnership really seriously. This is why God does not burst in, kick the door down. You like that? Kick the door down and say, you know what? I'm just going to scrap this and start. Because he takes the partnership with Abraham really seriously, the partnership with David really seriously, the partnership with you really seriously. He takes it really seriously. God gives us dignity. Like it's really important to God to take us and our choices really seriously. And so the Bible recounts how God will rescue the world and also he's going to have his cake and eat it too. I'm going to rescue the world and I'm going to have partners. 
Eventually, of course, he enters into the story as a human being himself. He says, I'll become my own partner since nobody else is capable of partnering with me. And in the process of me becoming a human being in Jesus of Nazareth, I'm going to bring the entire human race along with me. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's Romans 5 and uh, 1 Corinthians 15, if you're curious. And we reach the end of Revelation, and we're finally getting a glimpse. It's finally becoming a reality. Oh, finally, God's going to banish darkness. And not like, he's, there'll be no more night, is the way it's framed right here. And it, we're not talking about literal, like, starry night God likes starry night skies and campfires and s'mores. It's good. It's good. It's very good. That's, that's what he says in Genesis 1. Darkness is what he's going to ban, like, spiritual dark night. The time in the ancient world, and even today, of danger. Of, like, when you set your security system. <laughs> of coldness when the world gets cold, of being unable to see. That's what's going to be, got to get rid of that. There is a day coming when we will see and we will be fully ourselves. We'll be more fully ourselves than we've ever been before. And we will partner with God in the ongoing adventure of creation. Give me, give me some hope this morning. I think C.S. Lewis was tapping into this as he ended the final uh, book of the Chronicles of Narnia, um, The Last Battle. He, he writes, all of their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. The picture we are left with as Revelation ends, the grand vision is, is exactly this. The grand vision ends and we are left with the great story that goes on forever in ever-increasing joy, ever-increasing intimacy, ever-increasing rest, ever-increasing, at the same time, ever-increasing adventure. <laughs> like, this world, hear me, this world is destined for better than we dare to dream. No. This world is destined for better than we possibly can dream. It's not a question of whether we dare to dream it. It's that we can't possibly dream it at all. We could say it this way. New creation will be more, not less. New creation is going to be more not less. This is where many popular conceptions of uh, heaven and human destiny are actually profoundly unhelpful because nowhere in the Bible does, uh, does, is it envisioned that human beings forever wandering blissfully in the clouds somewhere. That is, like, we're afraid of that a lot of times. We hear, like, we've caught that somewhere from the church, uh, uh, from teachings or preachings or whatever, and we're like, it's like 
we picture the future and it's like God is almost like out of interesting ideas and he's opted for like an eternal minimalism in the afterlife, you know? Like the clouds and the cumulus, they give it a really clean look, don't it? Neat, simple, I like it. <laughs> to this we must say, no, create new creation is more. It's not less. In fact, to really drive this point home, I should say, nowhere in the Bible do we have a picture. Does it envision human beings living forever in heaven? That's nowhere in the Bible, to be sure. I, I want to give comfort, especially to like, I know like there are people in the room who recently lost family members. To be sure, those who are with Christ, who die in Christ, are with Christ. With, we wish we had more information about that, but they are safe, they, they, they're conscious, they're at rest, but they're also waiting. They're also waiting, they're waiting for the day when heaven and earth will be one. They're waiting for the day of resurrection. That's the great Jewish and Christian hope, the day when all of creation will be remade, when the first fruit, Jesus, of the resurrection will be joined by the rest of the harvest of resurrection for the day when the great story will finally begin. We'll see more and more, not that our creator is out of interesting ideas, but we're going to see more and more and more his endless creativity put on display. New creation, hear me, is more. It's not less. We got to train, it's hard, we got to train our imaginations to like do justice to the trajectory of the Bible, you know? Human beings are made to rule, Genesis 1. They will rule, <laughs> Revelation 22. The Bible ends with creation and humanity as we were meant to be. And it cannot be imagined as something less real than this, less majestic than this, less creative than what we experience right now. We are talking about Re, like people you know, real people in real bodies transformed in a real world is what we're talking about here. And yes, I'm sure we'll sing for all the musicians in the room. You will be doing your thing. Maybe I can even become one if I've got enough time and a whole lot of help. <laughs> like, but, like, but, but what about people who aren't musicians? What about like designers? What do they get to do? What about people who love teaching? What, do they, what about inventors? What about explorers? What do they, like, we, sh we should say it just this way. The future belongs to more than the musicians. Like, <laughs> let's just say it that way. Like, it belongs to, I'm glad, I'm sure that we're going to sing new songs on new instruments, in new rhythms, and in new pitches. But, but we're also gonna have art, new art, with new colors is what we're going to, and, and almost certainly we're going to have new discoveries in new lands, and we're going to have new architecture because of new climates, and we're going to have new breakthroughs with new technology, and new jokes with new words, and new stories with new plots, and new gardening with new plants, and new adventures with new animals, and new recipes with new ingredients, as well as old recipes with old friends. Can I tell you something? All of this is worship. Amen. All of that, 
all of this will honor God. And I don't exactly know what it's going to look like. I don't exactly know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be a heck of a lot better than just endlessly standing in a circle singing like worship songs millions and millions upon millions of years and you haven't even scratched the surface. We will see his face is what it says, verse three. I don't Doubt for one second that my soul will erupt in song when I I encounter what Christians throughout the centuries have called the beatific vision. Like you being drawn into the very substance of joy. The very like, like beauty suddenly like, hello, I'm beauty. And like I get to come into and be surrounded by like truth and justice and everything being right actually like suddenly being in the pre like, I don't doubt that I'm going to burst into song, but that's what I long for. I long to be made one with beauty and truth and goodness and beauty and justice and all of these things. That's what I long for, the beatific vision. But what does God long for is the question that's like here in Revelation 22. I'll tell you, he wants partners, he wants partners. He doesn't. He wants human beings who are fully alive, not human singings. They're just endlessly singing. He doesn't want endless singing robots. Like he could. Disney World's done that. You could build a bunch of robots and they just animatronically sing. God has always wanted living children. Is what he's wanted. Grateful children, faithful partners who will join him in bringing order to chaos for the sake. Of others. That's, that's what God wants. And some of us, uh, some of us just desperately need to hear today. Uh, you need to hear Jesus telling you firmly and plainly right now that the future belongs to more than just the musicians. God's good future is not going to wipe away everything that we are doing right now in the present all of your passions, all of your interests, all of the things that like, oh, I just feel. To be sure, some interests do have to go into the lake of fire. Those aren't good things. Those aren't pure things. Those aren't things that like God, I'm talking the deep things that you long for. And if it's more than music, I'm telling you, it's not going to be wiped away by God. Your work right now, your interests right now, they matter to God. (laughs) Your work is holy, what you do right now. And it is the holy reign of the future breaking into the present. Some of us love um, helping others organize the chaos of a closet. (laughs) Some of us love doing that and giving the, the gift of structure. To, to somebody. I'm not gifted in this area, but some, some people love it. I have a friend who, who does it, and it's holy work. It's organizing the chaos, making order out of chaos for the sake of us. Some of us are really good with our hands, like really good with our hands, like working with machines, uh, dry, and we love, not me, but Terry Bracken, who's not here, but hey, Terry, if you're on, online, but like um, you love diving into a machine, like a furnace or maybe a car engine, the chaos of whatever's going on and, and bringing order to the chaos for the sake of others, to help others. 
That is new Jerusalem work. Can I tell you that? You're partnering with God. Some of you, not me, some of you, I wish it was me, uh, are really good with money. You're really good with money. And where most of us can only just see chaos and like spreadsheets or market trends or whatever, you see like ideas and you see opportunities and you see like, I could generate resources with this. And others complain that money doesn't grow on trees, but here you're like, I kind of got one. <laughs> like I just know how to do it. And I'm telling, and you love to like generate, like take the money off and you're like, I can leverage this for the sake of others. I'm telling you, there are people at New Life who do this, and maybe you are one of the, and I'm telling you right now that that is a bit of your eternal destiny breaking into the present. You're tasting the life of heaven. The life of heaven begins, is what we sang today, and that's what we're talking about. I can order chaos and leverage order for the sake of other people. The leaves of this tree are for the healing of other people. That's what we're, you're, you're learning to reign. You're, you're learning to reign. It's, it's not been like, that's been part of the plan from the beginning. God is not about to press a big red button and abort the plan in order of like some never ending church service. We've got to try to train our imaginations of pic to picture people enjoying and worshiping God with full lives. Building and planting is the language of Isaiah 65, of singing and celebrating, of feasting and reigning. This world is headed somewhere better than we can possibly dream. But as we're ending this morning, I just want to point out, Revelation doesn't end with this vision of new creation. I wish it did. That'd be kind of great in some sort of way. But uh, there are 16 verses that actually tail end on the, on the very end of this. We're not going to read them, but verses 6 and 7 will give us a good gist of what they're saying. They will reign forever and ever. And then verse 6, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Then the words of Jesus break in right here. Verse 7, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. And so we need to remember right here as we're even as we're being filled with hope about the, about the future, we need to be rem reminded, and Revelation does, you're invited not to daydream about the future, but to live in the present. That's what we're all invited to. Keep your feet on the ground. The future is better than you can possibly dare to dream. We've, but we've said it before, and we'll say it one more time here at the end of the series. Revelation is concerned with faithfulness in the present, not trivia about the future. The grand story of Revelation has ended. The scroll of chapter 5 has been eaten. The plan of God has been ingested in chapter 10. The beasts have been conquered, chapter 13. You know, those beasts from chapter 13 and the lamb, chapter 14, has been followed. And evil, chapter 20, has been destroyed. And the world, chapters 21 and 22, has been remade. And now, now the vision's it's like a dream. Now the dream is kind of just... Fading, and eventually, John, 
prisoner of Patmos, finds himself back in the present. Here I am. Finds himself to be a lonely Christian sitting on an island in exile. It's eventually where John finds himself. And the words of Jesus like echo as the book ends to the prisoner of Patmos. It says, I'm coming, I'm coming. We heard it here in two more times in verses 12 and 20 as the, as the book is ending. I'm coming. But notice what he says to John right here. I'm coming, verse 7. So keep these words ingest the plan of God, follow the lamb, love like the lamb, not in some world, like right now, right here in the dumpster fire of 2020, right now, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, the future's better than we can possibly dare to dream. You're destined to reign. So practice it right now. Live the life of heaven right now. The land of exile is where we train to reign. I think is what what he's getting at here. It's what we often call discipleship in the church. Um, It's really what we're doing is we're becoming the kind of person who could reign. (laughs) So who would be trusted to be ruler over, over many kingdoms in a parable that Jesus tells The biblical narrative from beginning to end over and over insists that God takes our lives, our choices, our our personhood. He takes it really seriously. And this world is not as it should be. One day, God will make everything right. But until then, we are invited to use our choices and our decisions and our personhood. We're invited to lean in to being partners with God right now in the present moment. Jesus says, I'm coming. So keep these words where you are on the island of Patmos, though you are there, though you're not home yet, practice the life of home in the land of exile. That's what he's saying. You're destined for life better than you can dream, destined to reign. You're going to be filled with resurrection and joy and authority to reign like Jesus. And so practice the life of Jesus right now. And what what does the life of Jesus look like? (laughs) How does the lamb rule? We should remember in the book of Revelation, Jesus tells us plainly, if we're tired of visions and, and um, symbols and stuff like that, Jesus just tells us plainly in Mark 10. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers in the nations, the Gentiles, they lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so you're destined to reign for the joy of reigning, verse 5, which is another way of saying you are destined, verse 3, for the joy of serving. It's the same thing. It's two sides of the same coin. Reigning, you want to know what it looks like? Reigning looks like serving. And serving is actually reigning. 
That's what true authority looks like. That's what the life of Jesus looks like. And can I tell you something right now? That's where true happiness is found. It's found in putting others first and giving to that person who does not deserve it. They have blown it and they do not. It looks like serving them and in becoming like Jesus and surrendering your life so that others may live. And that's why it's really important that when we're organizing the chaos around us, it's always for the sake of serving others. That is how we practice the life of Jesus right here and right now before new creation arrives. It's like similar in a way to the way that you remember when you were a kid and you made uh, learning to write letters, you used stencils. You remember stencils that you would trace the letters? No one remembers stencils? Is it like it's somewhere in the Mandela effect and nobody remembers it. Uh, it's the same way that like eventually when you're learning letters, you have to take away the stencil to be able to do it on your own. In the same way that like when you were learning to ride a bike, somebody eventually had to take away the supporting hands so that you could do it so that you could learn to ride the bike. We learn to serve and live like Jesus by practicing when it feels like nobody's got their hands on us, when it feels like the stencil has been taken away. In the land of exile, that is where you learn to train to reign. And so as we're coming to the table this morning, um, band, you can come on up if you want to make your way up. Um, I know that 2020 has been a dumpster fire. <laughs> Recognize that, I feel that myself. And for some of us, someone in the room, hear me, lock into me for just a second. Some of us have felt like um, you've been profoundly confused and disoriented during 2020. Someone in the room has because you have felt like God is incredibly distant during all of this. And perhaps the end of the book of Revelation is an invitation to you. I mean, it's to all of us. Perhaps it's to you to recognize that it doesn't feel like God's hands are on the bike precisely because God doesn't want a singing robot. He doesn't want, he wants children. He wants children who can ride who are learning to reign, who are learning to live the life even when they're not being micromanaged or controlled or having to trace a stencil. And so right now, perhaps you just need to hear the Spirit speaking to you that right now, God is training you to reign. God is closer to you than you can imagine Perhaps we should open our hands and bow our heads. Perhaps our prayer this morning is just, God, could you help me recognize the ways that you are training me, the way that you are forming me, that you are making me more? Could you do that this morning? Like, could you help me recognize that you're not far away, you just taking your hands off the bike so that I can ride, so that I'll learn to reign. Hear the gospel this morning, my brothers and sisters. You're going to see his face. You are going to be made whole. 
and this world is going to as well. This world is headed somewhere beautiful. So keep at it. Keep at it. Even though you feel tempted to give up right now, keep going. Keep following the lamb. God is growing us up into children.